podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Whistleblowers. Now the managerial merry-go-round is back in full swing as both Brendan Rodgers and Graham Potter are sacked in the same day. Meanwhile, Arsenal equal Man City's result to stay eight points clear. Newcastle overtake Man United in the top four race and we may finally be seeing one team fall away at the bottom of the league. Joining me for all of this is music mogul and Spurs fan Gareth Dobson. Gareth, there's been no Spurs game this weekend for you to moan about. So we've got plenty of other stuff to get stuck into. Let's start with the managerial dismissals, two of them in one day. That doesn't happen very often. Uh, Where do you want to start? Which one? Rogers or Potter? Uh, should we go in sequential orders? So I guess Rogers fell off his uh, his merry-go-round horse first. Off his high horse, I'd call it. Off He's off. High horse. He's gone. It feels to me, Gareth, like it's been a pretty quick fall from grace for him because it wasn't that long ago, or it doesn't seem that long ago, where we were really talking in, in you know, really... Uh, positive language about Leicester and Brendan Rodgers and all of a sudden he's gone. Has it been a quick one or have I just sort of romanticised that too much? So if you, I mean, it's a tricky one because it is quick because given that uh, a year or two years ago now that they won the FA Cup, which for, mm. for Leicester to now have won both major trophies in the space of five, six years is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and Rodgers, you know, did that with, by overhauling a team and, but then equally, you could say that this sacking's been coming since the start of the season. I, I think a lot of people thought he was going to be gone after the first seven, eight games when they had a dismal start. So it's, yeah, I guess it's it's a it's a you look at the you look at the long term and it's 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 hard to say that he's done um, a bad job. But then in the in over the course of the season, it has fallen away, and I think there's a lot of factors. You know, most of which is finance and and, and squad related. Yeah, um, they didn't strengthen, and that's not his fault. No. They've got a cracking first team. Uh, the rest of the squad has been sold off. They've lost key players defensively. They're not very sound. Um, but then you look at uh, Rogers, and it does feel like he can hit a brick wall sometimes in his clubs. Like he'll take them to a certain point, and then I don't know whether he runs out of ideas or players tune him out or yeah not entirely sure what but it's yeah it, it seems like there is a time limit on his uh, optimum management yes but you do get a lot of positives with him in the first few months maybe first few seasons really i think yeah. he's a, a very True. good manager but it's quite telling how how we stopped hearing him linked to big jobs I remember a couple of years ago, whenever a big job would come up, he'd always be in the conversation. He never ultimately got the job, but he'd always be in that conversation. And I've not heard him mention in those circles for a while now. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to shock you here and uh, uh, bring in the uh, bring in Spurs into the conversation. Tottenham Hotspurs. Um, he's been the Tottenham Hotspurs. Uh, he's been he was he's been linked to that job a few times. Yeah. Um, I think he was a pretty hot favourite at one point, and now it seems like it will be fairly natural he's linked to them again and. You know, it's, I guess for a lot of time, it's managers have to match up with where they are in terms of how they're viewed and also where a club is and what they're looking for. But yeah. he he almost seems like the ideal person for Spurs bringing if they want to go again for one more year, if they can't face that rebuilding project, if they really want to just optimise what they got and, and give it one more go, then he might be a good, you know, sticking plaster. But 
Yeah, he's not going to be out of work for long. I think he's a really good manager. And and there there are a few jobs now that I look at and think, well, that actually is probably a Brendan Rodgers-shaped hole you've got in that that organisation. Spurs is one. Okay, bullet in gun to head. (laughs) Is that a phrase? Uh, Are you taking him at Spurs? Go. So personally, I am not sold on Brendan Rodgers as the uh, as the complete uh, piece of the puzzle. Okay, he, fine. There's some, also, there's something about him which I know he rubs a lot of sports fans up the wrong way. I think he's he's a very assured, self assured manager. Um, yes. And Jake Humphreys. If he's Jake Humphrey, if, if he was to run a football club, <laughs> he is Jake Humphreys. I, I can see Brendan Rodgers posting on social media about his training plan and Definitely. his. Uh, you know, his 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 route to success in life. You know, he does seem like that guy who could. He will the, have a uh, podcast. He will have a podcast within ten yeah. minutes if there's no chance of a club coming in for him. How I the, the secret of my success by Brendan Rodgers. I yeah. In truth, I I I think there will be far worse appointments than Brendan Rodgers. He's not my preferred candidate, but you know, I I suspect that it may come down to someone like him or Graham Potter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that there's. I think there's a good chance. I think maybe Palace might be a uh, a fit for him in a year's time. Who knows how long Roy's going to be there for? Um, but but uh, I think as you were saying, there's, there's, there's the options. Really... Yeah, it is. But as you're saying, this is the really interesting thing. Does he look at his Leicester CV and say, "I deserve another top six job"? I've shown that with a let's say top half of the table club, I can win silverware. I can push them on. Or are people going to look at the reverse and say? you had a good squad and it's been a dog awful year and you yeah. couldn't rally them and you lost your job. I don't think you're my, my top six man. It's I think it's the former. I think he'll get another shot. I think we're gonna, he'll, he'll get, he'll get a proper shot at a, a good club. I think Spurs actually could be the shout because any talk about the likes of Nagelsmann going there, I think might be shut down by Chelsea. Um, and this, like we I mentioned it at the top, it's the merry-go-round. We're going to see what happens next, but let's, let's talk about, Chelsea, let's talk about Graham Potter. Um, another one who has sort of fallen off the edge of the earth pretty quickly. Uh, I'm in the camp that I feel as though he's been hard done by here, Potter. I know the football wasn't good. I know the results have been poor. But he's been thrown into a club that assured him that it was a different club to the Abramovich era. He's been brought an enormous <laughs> number of players that I don't even think he really wanted. He still didn't have a striker, didn't have an upgrade on the keeper. He was playing games where they were dominating possession and having lots of chances, lots of shots on goal. The game on Saturday against Aston Villa was a perfect example. It was really the Potter era uh, distilled into one match where, you know, they could have won like game five or six two, uh, And they didn't. And ultimately it is the manager that takes the, the the brunt of any criticism. On the other hand, it's been like this for a while, and at some point you've got to think, well, maybe the players aren't being motivated properly. I don't know. But I'm on I'm on Potter's side here. Gareth, how do you see this one? It's it's really tricky. I think because Graham Potter is such a likable persona, and I, I think he did such a good job at Brighton. He came in with so much credit. And I think there was that kind of there's a little bit of I told you so because Chelsea is almost now the definition of the impossible job. No one lasts yeah. for long, regardless of your success. They always seem to move on. There was the question over whether the, the DNA of the club would change with new owners. Um, seemingly it hasn't. I think that if you're going part, it would be 
incredibly hard to turn the Chelsea job down and you understand why you took it. Yeah, completely. But then at the same time, it's like, well, this is kind of what happens. And it was perhaps the worst set of circumstances for him, him to come in. He you know, had to hit the ground running. There's my, my suspicion is he's a good training ground manager. He needs probably a, a full preseason to get his ideas in. Yeah. Um, and then he's given half a new team, you know, halfway through the season. So it's, I, I don't think you can judge him on this. Do, do you think uh, this has put a dent in his his reputation or do you think serious football people still understand that Potter's got an awful lot to offer and that they are understanding of why he'd take the Chelsea job in the first place? I don't know. I, I, I've been going back and forth on this. I, I, I think that realistically what will happen is there'll be three or four really good jobs that come open in the summer and he'll get the fourth best one. Okay, well, let's let's, let's ask the same question of Potter that I asked of Brendan Rodgers. Tottenham Hotspur right now, or for you know the start of next season, are you taking Potter? Personally, I would take Potter, but that's more in my view that I think Spurs are now at a point where they need to tear it down and 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 go again, and that you know they should consider selling Harry Kane and spending the money on on two or three players for the squad. Um, and I would rather have Graham Potter in there. So I, I think that even though in some ways they're quite similar candidates in standing, I think they're almost quite opposite options in terms of where you want, where you feel you are, are as a club and, and what, how yeah. long you want to take to get there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking Potter over Rogers, I think, um, but that doesn't matter what I think. Uh, okay. Let's move on. We've done manager chat. Let's talk about the uh, big game from Sunday. Only because it's the most recent one. Newcastle United versus Manchester United. Gareth, did you watch the game? Do you think that the top four race has been fundamentally shifted as a result of this? Or do you think it's basically where we were before? I did watch it. Um, if anything, I think the top four race has actually been blown wide open. Um, you've got three clubs separated by two points. Uh, Manchester United and Newcastle each are a point ahead of Spurs and have a game in hand on them, but they uh, Spurs have to play yeah. Newcastle and Manchester United. So it's going to be a really fascinating run in. And I, I think having, you know, three clubs vying for two spots is, is hugely exciting. And it's, you know, as much as the relegation zone, you know, fight, there's, there's six, seven teams. It's I a think good having, season. It's a it's good brilliant. season, it's, Gareth. It's full box office. And even, you know, You've even you know got this cat and mouse chase for uh, you know the league title. There's everything's in play, and yeah, if you're yeah. a you could probably even get excited by the Europa League spots. I'd, absolutely, and I, I am one of those one of those sickos. Uh, before we go any further with Newcastle and Man United, let's hear from Fergus Craig. Fergus is a comedian, actor, and co-host of the Newcastle Natter podcast. Hey, Mark. This is my assessment of Newcastle versus Man United. It was probably one of the best performances of the season if not the best in a season full of very good performances we've had lots of victories over man u in years gone by have we had lots of victories let's say we have has any been as comprehensive as that since the 5-0 in 1990 whatever it was we dominated the game uh could have won four five nil again if our finishing was a little bit better. Joe Willock was phenomenal. Bruno was phenomenal. David De, De Gea was phenomenal. 
David David. Uh, what are our chances of getting top, top four now? I'm putting it at 65%. Three days ago, I would have said 25%. So there's a lot of recency bias there. I'm very fickle when it comes to my predictions. But, I mean, who are, who are we in competition with for that fourth place? Spurs, they're a mess. Liverpool, they're a mess. We've got a bad run in us. I can't see either of them putting together a great run. So, yeah, here we go. Champions League football. Everything's going to change. Our lives are going to be different. We're all going to be happy. Thank you. Bye. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That was Fergus Craig there, Newcastle United supporter. And he sounds pretty confident there, Gareth. He does. I, I thought he would be sort of uh, off his head raging with joy, but it sounds like it's that kind of uh, contained joy where it's he maybe can't quite believe that they've just comprehensively done United over like they did. Yeah, I thought Newcastle were very good. I thought that, I mean, that's not a hot take by any means, um, but they they the intensity in which they played was was very impressive and they sustained that throughout... And Fergus touched upon there the, the finishing. Had it been better, we genuinely could have had another hammering for United there, like we saw at Anfield a few weeks ago. I mean, they really could have been four or five nil up. I thought United, in their defence, looked tired because they're playing just so many games. I think they've got nine games in April as well. Um, and they essentially didn't have a, a centre midfield. They they don't have Casemiro. They don't have Eriksen. They're probably their two most important players in terms of structure for the side. Having McTominay, Bruno and Sabitzer in there, they just seem like three midfielders that were, you know, they're sort of headless chickens in a way. They're all energy. They're all action. But there's no one who can control a midfield. Um, add to that the fact that David De Gea isn't a goalkeeper that can distribute properly. And it adds up to a bit of an issue when you haven't got a striker. So... Yes, Newcastle were very good. They played a very poor United. They thoroughly deserved it. The issue would be, in terms of that top four race for me, that if United can get a couple of players back fit, Eriksen, Casemiro, if he can stay not suspended, if they can maybe get Martial to play more than a game in a row, then I'd fancy United to get top four, which would mean that Newcastle's big rivals would be your guys, Tottenham, Um and I don't think Liverpool this season, and I don't think Brighton are going to make a big enough late push. So for me, it's between Newcastle and Spurs. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think United will drag themselves over um, the line. United and sorry, United will drag themselves over the line and uh, yeah. of Manchester and Newcastle and Spurs. Um, you have to favour Newcastle. They've been. It feels like they've had their dip. It it felt quite easy to 
assume that after the the, the Carabao Cup, they would sort of tail off and they'll be a yeah. bit deflated. But it seems like you know they they had a salt for a couple of games. Well, it was, actually, it was more of they kind of tail off going into the Carabao Cup, and they they they've yeah, come three out three weeks in, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, I think uh, you know they've done a great job to sort of really refocus on on the league and realize that there's a another maybe bigger prize to get. And I think it's going to be hard to say how Spurs are going to do without perhaps seeing how yeah, things go what, what, this season against Everton. You mentioned their Newcastle dip. Now, the crazy thing to me here is that Spurs have had basically a season-long blip. And yet, there they are. They're right next to the Champions League spots. There's still a real good chance. If they win tonight against Everton, they're back in the top four. Surely, Newcastle, uh, Spurs at some point are going to have the opposite of a blip and they're going to have some sort of run of form where they win, win three or four in a row. Perhaps. They, they, they've got a, a very tricky April. They have to play Newcastle and and United and and I guess Liverpool is theoretically a tricky game. Um, yeah. And then they've got a, a very doable run. So it's it's hard to see. I mean, they're all flawed candidates. This is the thing. And, you know, Newcastle, they're not the most exciting team to watch, but they're probably the most coherent and the most kind of almost reliable. I don't think yeah. they're going to lose many more through the rest of the season. And I think and that both teams different. have got nothing else to to distract them either. Both teams are just oh, focused on the league now. And I think that was, you know, in many ways, the difference between the two teams uh, yesterday. So, you know, Newcastle had a game plan. They said about it. They're, they're, they play a very controlled, good pressing game. I mean, they easily have the, you know, the least talented squad of the three. And that's not to... Yeah. It's not yeah, to dismatch Newcastle at all. They've got, you know, they're outperforming a little bit. Their good players are very good. And I think that if they can make the top four and they can bring in, you know, players in midfield, maybe left back, another striker, then they're going to quickly jump from a good team to a very good team. Yeah, yeah. Well, we managed to do a, a, a slot there on Man United against Newcastle United and still mainly talked about Spurs. Good stuff. Right, in the Thanks. second half of the show, we'll talk about Arsenal and Man City. See you then. Welcome back to the Whistleblowers. Gareth, let's talk about which one first, Arsenal or Man City? Both won 4-1, both look very impressive, both going to win the league. Maybe maybe Man City, um, just because it's obviously worth noting that they didn't have Erling Haaland uh, for the game and it didn't seem like it mattered, if anything, possibly without having that kind of focal point, they can get back to playing the, you know, that sort of strikerless sort of formation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it didn't, so many of those goals came in a similar style, which involved just rapidly cutting the uh, teams open across the flanks, sending balls into the middle and just gently switching. Yeah, it it's such like a Man City goal. It, so many incredible. Man City goals in that game. I mean, I, I don't want to sound boring, but I think they are better without a proper number nine. And I think they just, they score so many of those goals where you have four or five players gelling doing things interlinking it's just so impressive um i think we have to talk about jack grealish for a while long time yep. listeners to this show will know that i've been banging on about grealish for four or five seasons when he was at villa he was my favorite player to watch he isn't that player anymore i think it's worth pointing that out partially that's because he's moved to a, a team full of excellent players so he doesn't stand out as much but it's mainly because the game plan isn't get the ball to Jack Grealish in the same way that it was at Villa. But here we are, halfway through the second season of Jack Grealish under Pep Guardiola. 
are we finally starting to see the best of him in this system? It, it's really exciting. I, you know, I think there was a lot of people, including myself, who doubted that Jack Grealish could become that player that Pep Guardiola would rely on in attacking sense. Be like, okay, you're my guy. Um, and he does change from player to season to season. Yeah, there are, there are seasons where Bernardo Silva is the guy, and then he barely gets a look in the next year. But yeah, right now, I mean, Jack Grealish looks like a complete attacking footballer. It's so exciting. And defensively, and though, yeah, he puts in his shift as well. Yeah. And, well, yeah, and you kind of have to, you know, in a Guardiola team, you have to be tactically disciplined. You know, he gives you some license, but it's within a structure. And, yeah. you know, Grealish shows he can do that. And, you know, I think, you know, for, for the pure football men, where he goes and tracks back and he stops that little breakaway, you know, you're absolutely salivating. But, you know, see, so you can do everything. You can do the dirty work. It. And it was brilliant. It's very exciting. It it reminded me of um, a, a, a very random reference. Um, England-Argentina in the 98 World Cup when England thought they'd scored a winning goal in extra time. Yeah. And uh, the referee disallowed it. Argentina broke away quickly and Darren Anderson had to run back the length for the field to a stop a breakaway goal. How have you got it back to Spurs again? This is Thank this you so much. shouldn't be legal, the amount you talk about hey, Spurs. Hey, I'm saying that Grealish illness. is the new Darren Anderson. Isn't, isn't <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, it is brilliant. I think it's the most, uh, you know, for a non-City fan, if you're going to take anything away as a neutral, it's, it's the rise of Jack Grealish. It's wonderful. I'm really pleased because having sort of bigged him up for so long and then having seen him have quite an underwhelming first season and, and started to doubt it, starting to think maybe it's not quite going to work out for him there. He's now coming into it and just looking fantastic. And yeah, we all know that he could be benched next time. Like that could happen with Pep Guardiola. But while he's playing, you can see he understands his role more now and you can see that he is genuinely, I believe, a world-class footballer. I think he's just, I think he can do everything. And I remember saying a, few, a while ago, a couple of seasons ago, wherever he was to leave Villa for, whatever team in the world, Real Madrid, Liverpool, wherever it was, all those teams were being talked about. I thought that he'd be within in the first team within a week of training and he'd be one of the first names on that team sheet after two or three games. And that's starting to happen now. It's taking longer because of the way Pep operates. But I'm just really, really pleased for him. He seems like a great guy. Uh, he's incredibly marketable. But most importantly, he can do it on the pitch. It's just a shame for him that England's left side, England's left attacking side, is so stacked because in another generation, he would be the David Beckham in terms of profile, I think. Yeah, very much so. And it, it's, you know, with with uh, the Euros coming up in a year's time, which is remarkable, you know, that could yeah. be his time, that could be his tournament. And then, you know, you look at it, maybe that's the same thing for Phil Foden. This is, I know we're not talking England, but surely Southgate has got to start looking ways to fit as many yes. of these players into the team as he can. I'm sure he is. That's, what, that's what's keeping him up. He's a smart guy. Um, let's talk about the team City played against, though. Liverpool, um, a quick note on Trent Alexander-Arnold. Are you worried about him? Do you th I feel like he's sort of lost a bit of focus. I, I don't know what's happened there. I, I mean, it must be so hard when you're such talented football, but you've been picked apart by media and fans now for two, three years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's that almost that self-fulfilling prophecy where, you know, you're meant to be defensively unsound. And the moment that um you have any bad, you know, moment in the game, that was like, see, I told you, I told yeah, you. It gets leapt on. He's yeah, he's gonna have to work so hard to shake it off. And I think, you know, those flaws have always been a game. It doesn't take away from what a brilliant attacking option he is and he's a, he's a average at best defender 
Yeah, um, he's one of our best. Third. He's one of our most talented footballers. I've got no yeah. doubt about that. Um, I mean, I, I just want to f- want someone to work out where to play him. You know, he's he's got so much ability. The, the tempting thing is to go right. We'll play him in central midfield then, because his passing range is unbelievable, and he certainly be a good defender for that role. But, but then you, you miss out on his how, crossing. Can you imagine how good he he would be in a, a three four three or as a you know more conventional wing back in a in a you know five three two? I dead. There is there are options for him. I don't think you need to shun him inside, but you know it does feel that Klopp is, you know, is not going to necessarily change where he plays him, but it, he's not going to really change his team to fit him in, which is understandable because ultimately he's a fullback. Yeah, yes, that's right. Um, he'll be fine. Liverpool will be fine as soon as Liverpool start playing better. You'll just see him grow into it again because he's a wonderful yeah. player. Um, I think Liverpool mainly need to worry about the midfield. That looks very creaky at the minute. Okay, we're running out of time, Gareth. Let's move on to Arsenal before we then talk about Southampton. Um, But Arsenal were under a bit of pressure there, um, having seen Man City demolish Liverpool in the early kickoff. They then had a game that we expected them to win, but Leeds were very, very game there. They they created good chances. They could have gone ahead. Um, But ultimately, even without Saka starting for Arsenal, they, they brushed Leeds aside, didn't they? Yeah, new. I mean, new leads. They they were a game, and and they pushed them towards the end. Even when, you know when they made it three one, they they had a, a spell of pressure, and you know if they had scored, it would have been fireworks to finish. But it it. I know. I think people have talked about this before. Until Arsenal score in the game, you can basically see the fans just like holding their breath in in this nervousness. But the moment they yeah. score, they don't look back. Um, it's and you know it. And he was, the, the confidence seems to come rushing in, you know, as soon as they, they put themselves ahead. And I think, yeah, the moment they went the goal up, it was pretty much a, a done thing. And, you know, the, the team is just playing very well. Everyone knows their roles. They they could rest Saka. Um, I actually, I was a little surprised when they brought him on. You know, they were, were they freeing him up when he Bring came on? And yeah. He's played if not all every minute of every game close let the man relax they give him half an hour as well i thought that i thought maybe even 10 minutes give yeah. him a full half an hour i thought i thought that was a well you know maybe not a risk maybe he wants and to obviously get we should minutes point minutes. out that you know gabriel jesus came back and started and uh had had an immediate impact set up a goal won a penalty and scored that penalty and we're calling and, him gabriel and, jesus are we gabriel jesus yeah um gabby g yeah, well, Jay. Um, yeah, yeah that's, that's that's a big one to have him back. Um, I just I, every single time we talk about Arsenal, I just assume that we're going to be talking about a hiccup in their season, but we're not. They've got seventy-two points now. They are—is it seventy-two points? Have I got that right? Um, seventy-two points from twenty-nine games. It's it's basically remarkable how they're doing this. There's not been many teams that have had more points at this stage of the season. I think the only one in recent memory has been Man City, who had 76 or 78, and that was the season they broke 100 points. This is a a strange thing that's happening in Premier League football. The last few years, so many teams getting huge points totals. I just didn't think it would be Arsenal this season. And yet, here we are, and they don't look like dropping points to those teams you know, that are scrapping for things that traditionally Arsenal might drop points to a team like Leeds. No, and you know what? I, I will put some of the credit in the hands of uh, of Man City. When you're running for your life and you know that whoever is chasing you is not laying up the pace, you just have to keep going. And yeah. I, I I suspect it's it's the knowledge that 
you can't go, well, if City still up up here, you know, we'll be okay. Like you essentially know they're going to keep winning, keep winning. And that's probably, you know, that extra, extra element that's just quite driving them on to, to get yeah. a win. And they've got Liverpool at Anfield on Wednesday night. That is as big as it gets. That's a huge, huge game now. Plenty of history between those two teams uh, in, at Anfield as well. Plenty of history there. Uh, so this is a big one. I fancy that if if Arsenal beat Liverpool on Wednesday, I'm going to call it, they're going to win the league. And if they don't, then they might not. Is that a brave, brave Wow. How dare he say that? Right, Gareth, we've got three minutes left. Um, I want to talk about Southampton because I feel like for the first time this season, there is now a club, a little bit of drift at the bottom. Now, it's only three points that they're off safety. They're on 23 points. Three points off uh, Leeds and Everton. Um, but their run of games coming up is very difficult. They've got Man City at home. And they've had good results against City at home in the past. So can't rule it out. they got Arsenal away um, as well and Newcastle away. So they've got those three in the next uh, five games. Southampton, uh, Man City, Arsenal and Newcastle in the next five games. <sighs> is this it? Is this the end of Southampton? Is this them done? I think I think it might be. I, I think they you can't wait four or five games to start picking up results. I think the gap at that point might end up being insurmountable, even if they're you know four or five points adrift from the uh, from the safety zone. That that's probably too much. Yeah, uh, there's always that strange thing when you look at teams like, what if they win two of their last three, they'll be safe. And it's like, well, they're not going to. There's a reason why they're they're, they're <laughs> in the bottom of the table. But yeah, they they were. I thought they were very poor. Against West Ham, West Ham are not a particularly good team. Yeah, they were really poor against West Ham. That was yeah, that was really Ham disappointing. Well. Yeah, you, know, you can't say all oh, West Ham turned up and and really put the caution. They they didn't. I I think uh, you know, they could have they could have got a result. You know, they they hit the bar. Um, but I don't even think that draw would have been particularly deserved. I yeah, I I think I think time is 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 about to run out. Well, same for our podcast as well. Uh, so let's end it there. Gareth, anything to plug before we let you go? Uh, nothing to plug apart from just a reminder to buy your loved ones an Easter egg before they go off the shelves on Saturday. Never wait till Saturday. Right, okay, good good advice. All right, this has been The Whistleblowers. Hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.